third stanza of that hymn that we just sang has been the theme for the last three Sundays. This makes it four. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. The theme for this series of messages has been nailed to the cross. And our single text that we've used every Sunday for the last four weeks has come from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Today we will add verses 36 and 37, and later verse 38 to those verses. We are called on, Peter, I'm sorry, on the day of Pentecost, takes up these words and says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. And now verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Now this passage is part of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. It was just a sermon, just as what I'm sharing with you today is just a sermon. But something remarkable happened on that day. All the people listening were gripped by a common sense of conviction. The Bible says that everyone listening to the sound of his words were pierced to the heart. We want to observe some things today, some very simple things about this passage of Scripture. The first one is what they obviously knew to be true. And Peter points that out to him. He said, you know about Jesus the Nazarene. You know about all the good things he did. You know about the miracles and signs and wonders. All of those things are clear to you. You're witnesses of those things. Those are the facts that you know. Some of them may have even experienced his healing power. He was not speaking to people who didn't know these things. Jesus the, Nazare Jesus the Nazarene did these things, Peter said. He worked these miracles. These are the facts, the facts that, that you know. They experienced it. They witnessed it. And so simply Peter was just bringing up the fact in this time of history that they were living in that Jesus was a man of history. And they, these are the facts for us. They're written down. They're recorded. These are not secrets. These things happened and they remain the facts. These are the facts that they knew. These are the facts that you know. These are the facts that I know. Jesus the Nazarene. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him 
in your midst, just as you yourselves know. You know the facts. We all know the facts. That was the first thing that Peter was laying out. Second, he was telling them some things that they didn't know. What was it that they didn't know? Now there's one more fact that they obviously knew about. They knew that this man who had worked all of these miracles and done all these things had been nailed to a cross. This was still news. It was current events. As a matter of fact, it happened on Peter Priest's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Can you tell me, by the way, you've been watching the news, you've been keeping up with what's going on in our world. There's a war in the Ukraine. You know about that. And I think this week we passed a milestone. They said it's been 50 days. You probably heard that. Well, did you know that the day of Pentecost, that Pentecost, you know what Pentecost means? The word Pentecost, it means the 50th day. Do you know how they marked Pentecost? It was 50 days from Passover. And so this was the 50th day that Peter was preaching. 50 days after Jesus was crucified. Within that time frame, Peter was still, still telling the story. These were things that they knew. They knew about these miracles. They knew about this tragedy, although it may not have been a tragedy to some of them, but they knew it happened. But the thing they didn't know, the thing they didn't know is what we've been saying over and over this week, or these weeks, as we've talked about the hands of Jesus nailed to the cross. Whose hands were those hands? The stretched out hand of the Lord, mighty to save. The feet of Jesus nailed to the cross. Whose feet were those feet? The Lord said in the book of Isaiah, I will make the place of my feet glorious. And we've said that the, the, the crucified feet of the Lord Jesus Christ are strong. And third, we, we talked about the face of Jesus that peered at those men from the cross, that looked into their very souls. Whose eyes were that who peered into their faces? And Jesus and Peter said, as he preached that day, he said, here's the thing that you don't know. You know about all he did. You know what happened to him. But what you don't realize is that you nailed him there. It was your sins that nailed him there. He said, yes, it was done by the hands of godless men, but you did it. You did it. And so one of the ways we've looked at this passage of Scripture is just to say, men of Loosedale, women of Loosedale, boys and girls of Loosedale, Jesus the Nazarene, you nailed to a cross. All of us are complicit in that deed. And so that day, these men found out that they were guilty. Now, if that's all it was, you know, uh, it would be good news. In other words, not so good. In one way, if these people were accountable for nailing him to the cross, at least he was dead. They could say, he's dead now, nailed to a cross. No danger to me, no danger to you, no danger to the world. Jesus the Nazarene was nailed to the cross and he died. End of story. No, that was not the end of Peter's message. And that is what crushed them to the heart. So third, we need to consider what God did to undo what they had done. And that's found there in verse 24. Peter said, But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Now imagine if you were the Roman soldier who nailed the nails in his hands and feet. 
and you were standing in the crowd the day Peter preached that sermon, and you heard him say, you nailed him to the cross. Well, he was actually guilty, the Roman soldier. But these people, they didn't nail those nails, but Peter said he laid it at their feet. He said, you did it. You're guilty. Imagine that you were one of the people who spit in his face or jeered at him or slapped him and cried, crucified him. You spit in his face and he looked at you and saw into your soul and now he's alive and he knows you and he knows where you live. You crucified him. You thought he was dead, but God raised him up again since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Then Peter said something else that made them tremble. He said in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus who you crucified. Now we know all these things. We, we've heard all these things before. This is the gospel message that we share. We've read this scripture over and over and over. How then does it impact your life hearing the story about the fact that Jesus is alive? Well, I can tell you what, it, what came to them that day, brought to them not by a preacher's sermon. And this is something that can't, I can't deliver to you. No pastor can deliver the message. The only one that can deliver the message to your heart is the same one that delivered the message to their heart that day and that is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God made them aware of the pain and the shame of what they had done. Jesus was alive and they felt it. They felt the power of his presence through the working of the Holy Spirit. I can't bring that power to you. He alone can manifest himself and make you aware of his presence. And on that day, through the person of the Holy Spirit, they felt the presence of the living Lord and they were powerfully convicted. And that's the next thing that we need to see is the conviction they experienced in that moment because there was a collective conviction that gripped them, that overcame them. In verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And what was the source of that conviction? Uh, it was, first of all, their guilt. They, they were guilty of sin. They stood in the wake of a judgment of a holy God. The Holy Spirit was moving from person to person, convinced, convincing them of sin and convicting them of, of their need for Jesus. And I, it would be my prayer that God would do that today, that he would bring back to us the awareness that, that it was through the cross through the cross that God was sending us a message. Why did God have to do it that way, by the way? Why didn't he choose some other way? Well, first, it was only through the dark deed of the cross that we could see the darkness and shame of our own sin. God displayed that on the cross, that it was our sin and our guilt that nailed him there. Jesus died for our sins. And second, it displayed the love of God like nothing else could or would to sinful humanity. In Romans 5.8, Paul wrote, But while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as you sit in this service today, and I stand behind the pulpit today, we share something in common. 
we are yet sinners. I am yet a sinner. I am still a sinner. I was a sinner before I came to Christ. Unfortunately, I am still a sinner. But those who were sinners is those for whom Christ died. And the cross tells the tragedy of sin from man's side, but the, the greatness of God's love from God's side in that He loves us and He cares about us. And if we reject that love, if we reject that cross, if we take that as a light thing, then we have rejected God's own heart and we have condemned ourselves. The Bible says in Psalm 2, if you'd like to open your Bible, this verse would not be on the screen. The Bible says in Psalm 2, in verse 10, Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. And depending on what translation you have, it's either going to say in verse 12, do homage to the Son, S-O-N, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, or kiss the Son, that He may not become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in Him. We can take refuge in the cross, or we can face retribution for the cross. You understand that. That's the only choice. Refuge in the cross where chains fall, where lives are transformed, a retribution for the cross. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And so, Peter said, this Jesus, whom you crucified, the Lord has, God has made him both Lord and Christ. One day you're going to stand before him in judgment. The Bible says we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be good or bad. And when Peter preached this sermon to them, reminding them of current events, things they knew, things they didn't know, and what God did to undo what they had done, they were gripped with this common conviction. They trembled at Peter's words, but not because of Peter's words, but because the Holy Spirit was moving among them from person to person, speaking to their hearts. And so, what are they going to do now? And that's the question they asked there in verse 37. They said, brethren, what shall we do in light of these things? What are we going to do now? How do we respond to this? What do we do? And so that's the next thing that Peter told them. Perhaps you don't realize it, but this question they asked there in verse, at the end of verse 37 is a similar question that was asked in the Old Testament of people in Ezekiel's day. In Ezekiel's day, the prophet Ezekiel, he, he, he told about how the people felt. They felt the judgment of God hanging over their head. They felt this impending doom and the gloom of it hanging over their head that God was going to judge them. And they asked this question, how shall we then live? How are we going to escape? What are we going to do? And the answer to that question, the Lord said, Say to them, as I live. Now that's an Old Testament verse, but it has a New Testament connotation. Because you see, if Jesus only died on the cross, you have no hope. And I have no hope. And the New Testament says this. Paul tells, says this, if there's no resurrection, we're all still in our sins and there's no hope of salvation but the Lord said in Ezekiel's day, as I live, 
declares the Lord. I have no pleasure at all in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn back, turn back each of you from his evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? And on this day, as Peter preached this sermon on the day of Pentecost, he said essentially the same thing to these people when they said, what in the world are we going to do? We realize our guilt. We realize we stand in the path of judgment. We realize there's no escape. And so Peter said to them in verse 38, Acts 2, 38, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not a new verse or a new message. And yet it is a new verse, and it is a new message. Because the message is just as new today as it was on the day that Peter preached it. And what needs to be done is the same as the day is on Peter is the day Peter preached it. Number one, repent of your sins. What does that mean? That means I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, all of us are sinners. And that means that our sins played a part in nailing Jesus to the cross. And I need to repent of my sin because my sin is against God, first against God. I need to repent of my sins. That means I need to turn away from my sins and turn to God. And to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ means I certainly need to identify with Jesus. I nailed him to the cross and now I need to identify him. I need to claim, his, claim him as my own. I once had a person tell me who was a member of another denomination that they were just saying it in a kidding way, but uh, I always picked at them about not being baptized by immersion. And, but this is what they said to me that I thought was sort of strange. They, and I really, I think if you're baptized, if you're sprinkled, that's fine. That's no problem with that. I, I, what I'm saying is, the way they said this, they said, I would never humiliate myself by being baptized. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a statement to make. You would never humiliate yourself and identify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ by getting wet in some water when he humiliated himself and suffered the humiliation of the cross for you. Some of you have never identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. You've come to church, yes. That's a good thing. But the Bible didn't tell you to come to church. The Bible says repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the method of identifying with the Lord Jesus. Baptism doesn't do anything for you. But putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ does. And that's what Peter told them that day they needed to do. And on this Easter Sunday, that's the only hope for me. And that's the only hope for you. And if we say, if we come to the conclusion that I would never humiliate myself by identifying with Jesus, then instead of finding a, the cross as a refuge, there's going to come a day when there will be retribution for the cross. When the same Lord who hung on the cross with his arms stretched out, mighty to save. With his crucified feet, strong feet, nailed to the cross. With that face looking in the soul of every person, my soul and your soul, is going to return and say, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So on the one hand, we have salvation. On the other hand, we have judgment. And that's just the way it is. Let's pray.